Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest podcast episode brought to you by District Administration. I'm your host, Gabrielle, and today we're going to be diving into a highly relevant and critical topic, which is the changing face of school security. In this episode, we're honored to have Paul Tim with us. Paul Tim is actually the Director of Education Safety at Allegion. He's a seasoned expert who's dedicated his career to enhancing physical safety in schools. And just with the evolving landscape of school security, Paul brings to the table decades of experience. So we're very thankful to have you here on today's podcast, Paul. Welcome. Thank you. And uh, I'm grateful to be here as well. Fantastic. So to start off, let's give our audience a little bit of background. So just start by sharing a bit about your journey in the field of school security and just what inspired you to focus in on this particular area. Sure. Thank you. I grew up at Argonne National Labs, which is a Department of Energy facility in the Chicago area. And so security was kind of part of the family DNA. My dad was a project manager at Argonne. And he then started a physical security consulting firm back in the early 80s. In the late 90s, I joined that firm and we were working probably almost all with government facilities when uh, and, and had dabbled in schools when the Columbine incident occurred. That was, of course, April 20th uh, of 99. And we were uniquely positioned, having done some educational institutions, to meet a need in the market. And since then, as, as you know, there have been many, many more incidents. No, absolutely. I mean, can you discuss maybe the role of industry associations like, uh, and actually, I will ask you, is this PASS or PASS? PASS is the Partner Alliance for Safer Schools, and it is a non-for-profit made up of uh, architects, consultants, practitioners, vendors and manufacturers who have all agreed to put their agendas aside and uh, put together guidelines and best practices for schools. And, and so we're on uh, version six over all of these years that PASS has been in existence. We're constantly trying to upgrade as new things come on the horizon, for example, uh, cyber security, uh, window film after the, the Covenant incident in Nashville. And uh, we we have uh, we're in, in fact, today I had a technical committee meeting to make sure that we're getting everything right in the guidelines we're putting together for schools. And, and there's also NASRO and Axis Communications that's helping advancing K through 12 school safety and security. Could you tell us a little bit more about these organizations? Sure. NASRO is the National Association of School Resource Officers, and you know that to have a police officer actually in a school building uh, becomes, a, in many ways, if it's done right, a great benefit to schools. Uh, there is ASIS International, which is the Physical Security Industry Association, and then there's another association which is actually called the Security Industry Association, or SIA. All of these uh, entities are engaged in efforts to bring resources and tools that will help schools become safer. What kind of resources and tools do they focus on? Do you have examples? Sure, the PASS uh, organization guidelines, which by, our, by the way are free to download at passk12.org, uh, include self-assessment checklists. And what you can do is, is bring in your local responders or, or just your own personnel and conduct an assessment to see 
what components and features you have in place and and uh, then help create a roadmap to where you would be. ASIS International is currently trying to write standards for school security. And when we think about standards, uh, the only thing that's really co-driven in schools right now are fire prevention measures. You must have a fire alarm system and fire retardant materials and fire extinguishers and fire drills. Uh, but there are no real codes or standards for schools. It's pretty much been everybody can do what they think is going to be best. And so ASIS is trying to write those standards right now. And in terms of resources, there's all kinds of them. Schoolsafety.gov is the federal, federal repository for school security and emergency preparedness resources. Everything from grant funding to um, to checklists to trainings that are available in behavioral threat assessment. Well, from you, you have on-site experiences in schools. So from your experience there, when you're on-site at some of these schools, just what are some of the key safety concerns uh, that you've identified when you're doing your assessments? What are some of the major ones? Yes. Well, and I now have assessed more than 2,000 individual schools across the country. Um, and what we know is this uh, schools have in many cases just thrown security measures at the wall and tried to see what sticks but but what we know is the two things that protect people the most are communication systems and devices and access control a communication if i can't get help when i need it murphy's law is going to find me if i'm in an area where the mass notification announcement couldn't be heard or received Murphy's Law is going to find me. So communication is very important. And access control, well, every violence incident that's that's um, been significant in schools has involved a failure of access control. Somebody propped open a door. Somebody permitted somebody to get to a certain place. And, and so those are really the two areas that we, we focus on first. And then we, of course, look at video surveillance cameras and intrusion detection systems, et cetera. And you've had conversations with Safe Schools for All, as well as uh, many other organizations. So what have you come to learn about the intersection of education technology as coming into uh, integration with school safety? Well, first of all, I learned that a lot of people are very personally invested, and I'm, I'm so, so thankful for that. So a lot of people are trying to do their best to keep schools safe. That's the bottom line. Um, and it, 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 there are many different angles. Uh, should we be working on, on, on bullying prevention? Should we be focused first on having a school resource officer? Should we be putting in weapons detection systems? And what we're trying to do is sort through all of that and say, it takes a collaborative effort and let's make sure that we have the basics in place and then let's add on to that with intentionality and carefulness. Absolutely. Well, could you share some insights on how schools and organizations have responded to tragedies in, in terms of enhancing uh, security measures? Well, on the negative side, uh, they've responded in a, um, a reactionary kind of way, meaning we had an incident, um, so we better put something up that makes it look like we really are taking this seriously. And unfortunately, that can lead to buyer's remorse. Or 
it doesn't lead to buyer's remorse. We we put in something, but we didn't know that that something was going to be uh, needed to be monitored by people, and there would have to be secondary measures. And all of a sudden, we have uh, not enough funding to cover all of what we have brought into and now need in the school. That's on the negative side. On the positive side, there are lessons that we learn from all of these incidents. Uh, social media is quite often involved. There's quite often indicators before things occur. And the Secret Service is helping us with studies on averted school attacks so that we we can see what some of the commonalities are for attacks that were planned but never actually happened. And all of that information is important to us. And that's why I say we should be intentional and careful uh, I, I always say this, there's no magic, no magic wand to fix everything, but there is a magic formula, and that is collaboration plus consensus. We must get our stakeholders together, we must bring up the issues, and then we must make some decisions. We may not be able to make those in unanimity, not maybe everybody perfectly agrees, but we come to consensus, and then we realize that our security plan and our emergency plan our living documents. And so we are putting what we, the, the arrow should be pointed in the right direction because we'll be revisiting these things and, and making adjustments as we grow. And, you know, speaking to that intentionality, looking for those commonalities, what are some of the major lessons learned from past incidents that you think have significantly impacted the landscape of school security as we see it now? One of them is that there have been, uh, in these instances, there's been leakage, which means somebody knew about it before it happened. The, the bad guy said something before they acted out. And that has led to the mandate in many states of behavioral threat assessment teams. And that is terrific. Uh, we, the, I probably can't put a high enough value as to what threat assessment teams can do and are doing in schools to help um, intervene and and prevent incidents from occurring. So that, that's one thing. I think another lesson learned is that we may have had good practices in place, but somebody traded security for convenience. They propped the door open and that led to something very bad. Even though we had excellent measures, you, you can't leave the barn door open. And what we've learned then is we've got to change the culture and I think there can't be enough said about that. I want my staff members to make personal investments in the safe learning environment. And to do that, I've got to educate them. I've got to uh, test what, what things we have in place. And I've got to hold people accountable. And we can do that in ways that are um, affirming and not uh, punitive. And, you know, we have advanced technology. I mean, every year we're advancing in some way. So this has been pretty pivotal in improving safety in schools, I'm sure. Just what future advancements do you foresee in this area uh, as we're, I mean, are there aspects of AI? What in technology's future do you see uh, really improving uh, school uh, security? Yeah, artificial intelligence is probably the biggest uh, advance that is not only on the horizon, but but coming into play right now. And I'm going to just give an example of how artificial intelligence can help us. 
in most cases, the video surveillance system in the school is passive, which means we don't have somebody monitoring it. And they, they might not even have been effective to monitor it anyway. The chief value of video surveillance has been in forensics, which means we look at things after an event has happened. But with the advent of artificial intelligence, I may now have uh, the capability of having technology uh, uh, view the cameras. And when technology, artificial intelligence, detects something happening, they can then run through algorithms and whatever it might be to determine if it's whether, what, determine whether or not it is an issue. And if, if it does determine it's an issue, then it can contact school administrators and simultaneously responders. And it can also cordon off if we've integrated with access control, electronic access control, certain areas of the building. So if there is a perpetrator, they're not getting any further. So we, we now can take something um, that would have been for video surveillance and we're now integrating it with communications and electronic access. And pretty soon we've got a recipe for something that might be very, very helpful with minimal touches of people who who could have made mistakes all the way along anyway and and there's ways that we can get the community involved as well so uh, in what ways could we start doing that when it comes to parents and local authorities uh, wanting to contribute to enhancing school security i mean it's something everyone wants so how can the community get involved it's a great point uh, first of all we have regular school safety planning team meetings and we invite in those relevant stakeholders. Um, we always say, obviously, police and fire are going to be part of that. And we know the internal stakeholders are administrators and facilities, people, technology and administrative assistants and students. But we're going to bring in parents and we're going to bring in maybe maybe key community members. Maybe we've got a, a restaurant that's just down the road and they're going to give us some gift cards. Uh, for their restaurant that are, are minimally um, uh, loaded so that um, if we find somebody who has made a personal investment, we can give them the gift card. And now the restaurant has a role to play in keeping the school safe. The school's already uh, benefiting from the restaurant being there, and now the gift card is bringing them back to the restaurant. It, it's just one example of ways that we can we, the church that's across the street might have seen if we had unauthorized roof access and we want to connect with them. The community college that's less than a mile away has their own mass notification system, but we, we should be on that in case they have an incident. Now we can, we can prepare as well. If we have an incident, they'll get notified. So this is the way that collaboration really begins to benefit all stakeholders. Well, through your experience uh, up to this point, what have you seen as far as this past year being the biggest challenge currently uh, facing school security right now? And just what's your best remedy to address it? Well, if we adopt a singular focus on active shooter, which is still a very rare occurrence, and we would do that because we are fearful if we're letting fear guide our decisions, we're already in a difficult place and um, a place that is uh, unstable in some ways. 
And so um, while I am concerned about the active shooter, there are also many other kinds of incidents that could occur in schools. And many of those incidents are, are occurring in schools and we, we're just not as fearful. So we're not giving them the attention they deserve. We wanna have a holistic view. We wanna have a multi-hazard approach. And then we wanna make sure that we're not being driven by fear. We wanna make sure, as I said earlier, and you echoed, there's intentionality and carefulness so that what we're really covering is comprehensive. So what do you see in the future, Paul? I mean, I know we can't read the future, but just based off of your extensive experience, I mean, what are some of the trends that you think going into 2024 will be really apparent or what kind of developments do you think we need that will probably be, probably be beginning in 2024? Sure. Uh, one of them would be much more involvement from students. And when I'm talking about students, I'm talking about fifth grade through uh, 12th grade, I, I'm maybe sixth grade through, through 12th grade. Uh, but, you know, when we're talking about things like vaping, we are already seeing that at the elementary school level. I'm probably not including students pre-K through fourth, um, maybe even through fifth. But beyond that, um, I could hold up the, the smartphone that I have and you would say, oh my gosh, he's got the iPhone, whatever it is, knowing that the students already have the 15. And, and so students are ahead of us in technology. They've got a better pulse of what's really going on. And the vast majority of students want a safe learning environment. We need their help. If, if social media has played a big role in all of these, you can bet there's all kinds of administrators who don't even really know how Snapchat works. They couldn't tell you what Snap Maps are. They are not on TikTok, and I'm not I'm not necessarily suggesting they should be, but we should know the ABCs of social media, and students can help lead the way with that. Uh, so I think student involvement is is a very big one. I think the advent of technology, like artificial intelligence, is going to change the landscape and. Uh, you know, I've, I've got uh, a number of kids, the youngest of which is, is 17. And the difference between the grip of technology and her, her grasp on that and her brothers, who is 20, 24, it's, it's, um, it's startling. And by the way, my 24 year old son is terrific with technology, but he's not anything like the 17 year old. So, my point in bringing that up is that technology is advancing at a rate that we cannot keep up with. Even if we're considered to be youth and early adopters, we can't keep up with it. It will change the way that we do security and we want to be measured. We want to be uh, collaborative and, and the words that I've used in the, in the past, like intentional, so that we, uh, we're, we're going to be able to handle this together. I think those are two of the main things. And then if I had to add a third, I would just say the fact that we have requirements for behavioral threat assessment teams, requirements for um, emergency drills, requirements, uh, all of those things are, are making sure that we have a culture that's more educated and more prepared. And that is going to benefit everybody. For sure. And, you know, as we start to wrap up the podcast here, Paul, how do you hope that your podcast series series will influence the conversation around school security? What are some of the main points you want our audience to take away from today's episode, uh, but also future ones? Well, I think this, I think 
you know, I, I'm going to just give a quick story here. I, I ran into um, a training not too long ago, and I asked administrators in that training how, how many of them were active in social media. And you could see expressions changing like, ugh, social media. And I, I remember saying, um, listen, I, I know that you might not feel comfortable with it, and you might think that in general it's it's got negative components to it, but my the mass notification components are excellent and i want to challenge you to to step out a little further and learn why there's values to multi-factor authentication and why we should know about snap maps and and caution those who might be a little loose with their use of snap maps and all, all of these things and i i saw dawning on the attendees as i educated them i saw dawning on them the recognition that they needed to move forward. And so I think podcasts like this are going to help educate. We we cannot almost educate enough. And when people are educated in these kinds of things, and I know we're talking about security, we're not talking about reading, writing, and all of everything else, but they are empowered. And once you're empowered, you can make a difference. And I reminded everybody in that audience, while it may not be impacting your life, there are all kinds of lives that social media is impacting. And many of those lives, you care about them. And if you care about them, you're going to learn some basics so you can help them. That's really what this kind of podcast is about, Gabby. And that's why not only am I honored to be here, but I want to thank you for doing what you do. And I thank you so much. I mean, that wraps up today's conversation. Thank you again, Paul, for joining us today and just sharing your valuable insights on the ever-evolving world of school security. Things are changing all the time, and it's very important that we stay on top of this topic just for the sake of our future children as well as this generation and the ones following it. So it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us on today's episode. We hope this conversation has provided you with a, a deeper understanding of the complexities and advancements in school security. If you want to learn more, please visit Allegion.com and look for this podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts at. I've been your host, Gabrielle. Thanks for tuning in.